In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We salute you guys. We honor you for grinding it out in the stress bubble of life. Males are treating the anonymous bleachers, but you've jumped into the arena. You've jumped into the fray of manhood. And so thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Guys, we're super excited that you're here. We're so thankful that you're here, subscribed, listening on your way to work. Uh, maybe you're, you're in your uh, combine this time of year. Cutting the hay, baby, listening to the podcast, and we are just so uh, grateful for you. We're all about, guys, calling you in to the arena, calling you out of every obstacle, preventing you from becoming your best version, and calling you up to higher levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with the mix master, the PhD of sound, <laughs> Dr. Jay-Z, <laughs> Pat George. How you doing, man? What? Good. I, I'd I just like to made you great. into a rapper. Like. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Actually, I'm a little bummed today. I, Are I, you? Let's, yeah. yeah. How, how do you back your truck into a telephone pole and hit the backup sensor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't your truck have a? S- it's got the backup sensor, and, and I backed into a telephone pole. Dude, that's last why night. city slickers, it's bad. man. <laughs> it's bad. Oh my! I have an excuse with my truck because I can't see anything. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I had a real bad parallel parking experience last week. Oh no! It took See, me 15 minutes. I'm like, this is the most embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Thing in my life. I should not even own a truck, but I don't. I own a Toyota Trun Tundra, so yeah, that's right. Uh, it's not really a truck. It'll so. grow up to be a truck. Yeah, it'll grow up someday. And so, hey, I'm also here today with our producer, co-host, good friend, and the backbone of the MCP, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Yep, that's all that, I got that for you. New tattoo on your arms, looking good. Yeah, little little Popeye action. Little, getting a bite. Little, I'm getting a little, little anchor action. Mm-hmm. Father's Day, his kids gave him a tattoo. I don't know. So I'm I'm like, dude, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed any. to tattoos, I'm but either. for 250 bucks, no, something's gonna get shot. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm gonna shoot something. So yeah. keep your cats away from me, yeah. or else it could get ugly. So 
Yeah. yeah. Right. So well, the body is the temple of Christ, so you got to paint the walls. Well, there's a verse in the Bible that oh, says you beautiful. shouldn't have a tattoo, so you're basically a pagan right now. Uh, <laughs> so I need to go find. I need, <laughs> We've to, had go, that I need to go find a Christian producer now because yep. my pagan guy just lost all bodily functions. Yep. That's right. So, uh, so you got a man word for me today? Do I get to yes. guess it? Sure. Yeah. Do it. Okay. Based on our guest today. I am going to guess, because I know how he thinks, Dale thinks. He's going to come around about at a word that's obvious and try to explain it. So he's he chose the word nobility. Oh, man. Wow, Did I get it? I think you're... I got that's, it. That's, that's close. You're closer than you've ever been. That's. I know. I nailed it one time. Coach, that one with Joe Smith. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come, okay. If it's noble, if I have any derivative of that's the word in I there, mean, yeah. I, well, then I'm right. <laughs> noble. I won. <laughs> I won. I nailed it. It's noble. Noble. noble I knew it. I, knew it. See, I know this guy. I know how he thinks. Yeah. So so okay because you thought I was going to say war- before. you thought I was going to say warrior, but that's just too generic. I thought yeah. you were so. Gonna- I, I had to go warrior. noble because noble is something that's kind of a it's a little bit uh, maybe next podcast less, to be warrior uh, out there less. Yeah. What's the word? There's a there's a SAT word that we use for that less discreet. No more discreet. Obvious. Whatever. Obvious. I don't know. <sighs> no, I'm much smarter than to use that word. So okay, right. that yeah. was good though. Yeah, it is. It. So, yeah. but but all that to be said, why would you choose that word? I mean, I know that this well, is part, part of, of Mike's, Mike's ministry. Ministry, but... noble warriors. So I said, noble's good to be a noble man. And so I was like, well, I better look this up so I can tell our listeners who might not know what it means. Because you've heard like that, he's a noble man. But do you know what that means? I mean, I have a friend, his last name's Noble, so it's easy to call him Noble. But uh, <laughs> having or showing... Hey, Noble. What's up, Dick Culver? <laughs> it's having or showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. And I think uh, a lot of times, less and less, this high moral principles is uh, going out the window um, and, and having high moral ideals as well. And so, like, you know, we got, we got rear-ended here recently. And uh, the insurance called up and said, hey, we're going to give you this much. And I was like, okay. And I had people going, no, man, you need to go back and tell them you need more. And I'm thinking, do I? So is nobility taking it? Is nobility taking the hits, or is nobility? I mean, at some point, to be noble, you don't take, noble warriors. At some point, you got to stop. You don't get beat down. You don't get beat down and taken advantage of. But you look at what's fair is fair, and you know. I mean, really, do you need thirty thousand dollars? Yes, everybody well, says yeah. yes. Well, you want as much as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally love. I love the word. I love the description. All I'm saying is, I'm just pushing back on you a little bit because I think part of nobility is knowing when to fight. Right, Kenny Rogers, the yeah. great theologian, said, right. "No one to hold them and no one to fold them." So, no, I I say, hey man, if you're experiencing pain and suffering, and this really has costed you uh, a lot, then yeah, that's one thing. But you know, if you've bounced and things are good, and it didn't, uh, you didn't have to incur a ton of cost and pain mm-hmm. and this and that. It's like, hey, it's you know, you know, and there is a point. There's, There's a, a check point in your spirit. Like you're hey, going to get that check. Yeah. yeah. So, Checking your spirit, not your check. But it, I mean, shoot, yeah, thirty thousand would be great. We're doing a remodel in our house. Man, every penny yeah. would be awesome. You know, <laughs> well, acci- yeah. accidents happen. They do. You yeah. know, it's it's you're not there to make a bunch of money. You guys are making me nervous. This high moral code and the word noble. The first girl I ever kissed that was her last name. So I, I got a little nervous. I went back to a <laughs> That's bad. That's not place your wife either. La- bad you place were in middle. Someone else's yeah. wife. Yeah, before wow. BC, BC, baby, BC. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, so Mike, when you think of the word nobility, what do you think, man? I think about a 
<clears throat> a man who's doing the right things for the right reasons with the right attitude. And, uh, so, and, and so when I mix that with warrior, I think about someone who's ready to go to battle to do the right things for the right reasons, uh, living that out. But, uh, I love the way you guys are wrestling with this and, um, it's good stuff. So every go- guy's wrestling these things yeah absolutely i mean it's nobility is not a word that we use in our common vernacular so we process this uh but i love what you said you said doing something for the right things doing the right things for the right reasons and you said something else right the right response i don't know but you said knowing when to go into battle yeah Mm -hmm. see that's important because there is a time to fight there is a time to concede there right. is a time to compromise. That is That's part right. of nobility. The noble man always fight. The the man who is ignoble, the 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 guy who is not noble, he <laughs> he always is fighting, or he's always passive, or he's right. always compromising. Right. So there is a time when you've got to dig your feet in the sand and say, "Hey, bro, come at me. I'm not moving." Yeah. Oh man, I yeah. really like that. I'm liking that. I'm going to change our name to the Great Noble Hunt for God. <laughs> the Noble Man Card. The Man. <laughs> Card Nobility Podcast. Uh-huh. I love it. I love that word. So, hey, I, before we get into the, the discussion, the, item the discussion the here, uh, conversation. Dude, you're interrupting me right now. <laughs> dude, what, what, what's going on, you guys? Okay, that's not very noble. So, hey, before we get into the before we get into our, our, our guest, who I'm super excited about today. I just want to tell you guys, man, our man, Men in the Arena Facebook forum is just is blown up. Since we launched that page, that group in November, we've got 9,000 guys <laughs> on that group. So guys, listen, if you go and add a hundred men to the arena, we'll shoot you off some swag. So make sure you get on there and do that guys. Also want to let you know, uh, as of June 24th, we have officially launched my newest book, the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. And if you are a man card podcast listener, you need to hear the heartbeat of why we're doing this. I had a guy approach me the other day. He, his career was, a. a uh, CFO for four universities that spanned from West Virginia Christian University all the way out to George Fox. And he said, man, this book is impressive. And I, he said, I was kind of surprised that you could write a book this good. I'm like, well, thanks, Mike. You're a jerk. Okay. But uh, hey, guys, go pick up that book. I write books for men who don't read books. It's a 160 pages, a lot of stories. Guys, you're going to love this thing. So go pick it up. You can do that on Amazon. So I want to brag about our guest today, my new friend, Mike Young. So Mike is 49 years old. He's the executive director of, of course, Noble Warriors, which he's done for 13 years. I want to read a short bio about him. He doesn't know I have this, but I found it. Mike started the Noble Warriors journey in 2005 when his kids were nine, six, four, and listen to this, zero. (laughs) I've never seen a zero-year-old. But anyway, as a husband and father, he wanted to put his heart into a ministry that would focus on raising up the next godly generation. From the beginning, the concept of warrior stuck out to him with the metaphor of the arrow in the forefront. And Mike, our brand is the arrow as well, so I really want to hear about the arrow. He wrote, yes. He wrote. I see myself, quote, I see myself and other men as warriors who must partner with God <clears throat> to craft arrows, craft arrows that are straight, sharp, and potent, arrows that will do damage for the kingdom as they are released. Noble Warrior's mission is to engage, equip, and encourage churches to reach and build up men. So as far as accomplishments go, uh, his biggest one of his, one of his big accomplishments is launching and growing this ministry in 2005 and walking away from a family business. I want to hear more about this. Uh, of course, the greatest accomplishment is being married to a godly woman. Uh, as of June 20th, they'll be married 26 
years. They're raising and have raised four kids. And uh, one of his great accomplishments is investing in men and young couples under over the years who are now investing in others. So his passion in life is to see men walk with Christ, lead well, starting with him, his sons, and his future son-in-law, which I thought that was a great statement since your daughter's 13. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids are, my boy, I have three sons. They are 24, 22, and 20. And for 20 years, I've been praying for their, do- their wives, my daughters, because, man, I, I don't need them bringing baggage in. I need them bring these noble women, right, into the marriage. So currently lives in uh, Richmond, Virginia, <clears throat> with his wife, Stacy again, for 26 years. His children are Timothy, 22, Zachary, 19, Benjamin, 17, and Hannah, 13. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be with you. Appreciate the opportunity, Jim, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too, man. We're so excited. I really want to hear more about your ministry, and I want to hear more about this Arrow concept. But before yeah. we do, Mike, we we uh, we got to <laughs> throw you into our arena. We call it our Rapid Fire Round. Are yeah. you ready for this? I am. Okay. So I, what I've chosen for you, man, uh, when I went online <clears throat> and I looked at your picture and I saw the flat top, I said, if this guy's got a flat top, he can handle anything. So I'm going to throw you into what I call it's the fill in the blank round. Ooh. So this is no easy round, but you have a flat top. You can handle it. <laughs> so uh, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw in, uh, I've got five or six questions and you just fill in the blank, explain why you use that word. Some of these questions are very easy and fun, and some are a little bit more difficult, okay? So I'm going to start with a really easy one for you. It's kind of fun. And here it is. My favorite superhero is? Uh, Batman. I used to love watching Batman as a kid. <clears throat> wow, that's really cool, man. Uh, yeah, you got to love a guy that's a superhero without any skills, like without any superpowers, right? <laughs> Right. You know, I was flying back from, where was I? Where were we, Dale? We were in Worcester. Worcester. Flying back from Worcester, Iron Sharpens Iron. And uh, I watched the new uh, Wonder Woman. And, I, man, she's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, dude, she's like, she's not like Linda Carter. She's more like this athlete, triathlete Wonder Woman. Absolutely. And I was like, dude, she's like gnarly. She's like a serious warrior. So that yeah. was pretty cool. So I'm not, I didn't get that And then they're in the, and there was another movie, The Avengers. There's that mm-hmm. f- swimming guy like Aquaman. I yeah. love that guy. That's how so I, swim I, I think I'm now. A, now a fan of Aquaman. So, Mike, here we go. Here we go, man. So, if my house were on fire and my family safe outside, the one thing I would run back into the fire to save is probably family photos. I guess things that uh, you couldn't replace any other way. Yeah, that's really good. I had a guy. Uh, I, I, I that, that's my answer. And I had a guy said he would not do that because everything's on his phone. However, now he's a younger, he's a millennial type of guy, but but guys our age, Mike, I'm 52, you're 49. Yep. We we are old school, man. Remember when our wives did that creative memories and all those little yeah. fun things? So yeah, that's a great answer, man. You got to f- save the things that you can't get back. So that's here's right. one, Mike, uh, and, and I thought of you on this one. I read and looked at your website, and I, I know what you're doing with the National Coalition of Men's Ministry and your commitment to men. And So here we go. One gift I can give others is... Well, encouragement. I think so many guys have not been cheered for since high school. And um, so when I can come alongside a younger guy and cheer for him as a husband or a father or a worker, whatever he's doing, if I can cheer for another guy, that's a beautiful thing and uh, just blesses me and blesses them. 
<laughs> wow, that's a different answer. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what you said. I first I thought you said jeered for. I'm like, well, that's that guy's a jerk. But no, <laughs> cheered. So cheered for. You know, you know yeah. what's really interesting when I think about this, Mike. I would say that the number one need I have for my wife, uh, when I was a younger guy, it was sex, right? But it's still, that's probably one B, but one A is probably, I need her to be a cheerleader for me. So, that affirmation is critical. Yeah. So talk to me. Are, are you finding this is a massive need of men? I, I think there are lots of guys out there that are, are working hard. They're trying to do the best that they can. Uh, so many guys have never been really taught how to do anything. Um, and so when they attempt something and they don't, it doesn't come out right, uh, their wives are constantly looking at Pinterest and seeing all this great stuff going on. They're watching Home and Garden TV and they say, well, if Ty Pennington can do that, why can't you build, why can't you right. build a board out of a door that I buy from an antique store? And so, I mean, all he feels is inadequacy. And so he needs to be built up. So, I, you know, I find it a great blessing to be able to encourage those guys, but also to help wives understand how much of a blessing you can be to your husband by breathing life into him through um, affirmation. Man, Huge. If she only knew, right? If, yeah. she, if she only knew how desperate we were for that. And if she only, yeah, it's the women that learn how to speak a man's language and who learn this cheering for i what i always say mike and i don't know what you think about this for me in my life i would rather have shanna respect me than love me yeah personally now with you and i as we develop our relationship the greatest gift i can give you as a man is respect right like if you know that ramos respects you and if i know that young respects me Dude, I'll die on you. I'll die with you. We'll take go down an alley. I'll take a bullet, right? Because when I know I'm respected, man, that takes me to a whole nother level. Yeah. And so how how do you think um you got me fired up right now, so I'm I'm kind of veering away from this rapid fire round just for a second. So so we need our wives to cheer for us. How does that how does that interact with a man's knee a fear of failure? The need for a cheering and affirmation versus our fear of failure. Because would you agree that men have a real deep fear of failure? Oh, absolutely. Every guy is afraid because when when you fail, you're you're wondering who saw that, who's going to give me a hard time about that, who am I going to lose faith with, face with? Um, and I, I I tell you, I've got some some really interesting looks at this. One thing that I would point us to is the fact that I'm raising three sons just like you are. And, and my wife has had to learn, we've had to talk through a lot, how she can understand the, the level of respect that my boys deeply desire. And um, she has had to learn to respect them as men. As they come of age, man, they their relationship with her is changing. And that's a very difficult thing for a mom. So to coach her through that is significant. So that's one thing talk about. But another thing, I'll, I'll give you some background. At one time, I was a high school teacher, coach, and assistant principal. And uh, one of my favorite things to do was when there was a fight, I could go to the middle of the fight. It was the only time that I could throw kids. So I was very excited about that. I'd <laughs> be the first one to the fight. And so you get to wade through this crowd and get to these two 15 or 16-year-old guys who were face-to-face with each other who both felt that they had to fight, but deep down they didn't want to because everything about them, their respectability in the community, the crowd is on the line. 
And, and so I've talked to other guys about this. If I could get to the center of that knot and throw my arm across the shoulder and chest of a guy who was about to have to fight to save face, he would relax in my arm because what happened then is the authority figure had stopped him. He was going to fight. He was ready to fight. He didn't mind fighting. And so I had stepped in to cause that. But what I'd really done was save face for him because he can still talk about, well, I would have beaten the guy if Mr. Young would have let me fight him. Um, yeah, yeah. So that respect issue is huge for guys. That is, that's, you know, that's really interesting because, you know, we're, we're teaching our children, hey, respect your mom, respect your dad. But there does come a point, even as a father, right? As a father, that the greatest thing I can say to my son is, man, son, I'm proud of you right now. Yeah, and exactly. I say that often. I say I love you to my kids every day. But yeah. to say I'm proud of you is saying, you know what? You've earned your dad's respect, and, and I'm the most important man in his life. He needs to hear that from me, right? And so exactly. that, that is really good. I, would, I thought you were going to go another path. Uh, for us, what my wife has had to learn is uh, let your sons fail. Yeah. Stop bulldozing the, through their obstacles. Stop helicopter mom. They need to experience some fails. Now, you pick them up when they're done failing, but if they never learn to fail while under your leadership, how are they going to handle it when they're when they're leading a family? Well, and some of that produces self-respect because a guy can only, his confidence grows when he has experience. And sometimes the only good experience that you get that you learn from is when you make mistakes. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, those those are both sides of the same coin there, trying to help them have the experiences in life that give them some self-confidence because they've got some scars to prove that they've learned some things and they've got some stories to tell. You Huge. know what? You you said something that is so powerful, Mike. Uh they've got some scars. Yeah. You know, I was at a men's uh, men's conference speaking several years ago and it somehow we we were at breakfast about 8 of us and the guys started showing their scars. So I'm like, man, I got scars. I got, I've got, i got a lot of scars. Well, then one guy finally says, see the scar behind my head? Yeah. Well, that's where they peeled my face off to pull out the tumor. Okay, you win. But but, <laughs> but, but you know what I learned is that we we will like scars. We need scars. And I think right. so many young men are growing up today's, today with no scars, right. uh, which means they're soft. They haven't gone to battle. They haven't had to be a noble warrior. They haven't even learned to right. be a warrior. You almost can't be a warrior unless you've learned to be noble, right? There's two sides of this coin. So, man, I'm fired up right now. So, okay, I'm going to go back to this rapid fire round before I lose sure. total total bodily control here. So, if <laughs> if so, here's the next next fill in the blank, Mike. If I had a million dollars, I would. Wow! If I had a million dollars, I would love to have a huge retreat center where I could bring guys in and allow them to have some of these adventurous experiences, allow them to grow and learn. And uh, in the practical, everyday experiences of life, man, I'd love for more kids to grow up on farms and construction sites and and experience life, for their hands to get dirty, their bodies to be tired, but for them to experience the fulfillment of actually doing something and celebrating those things. So if I had a million bucks, I'd probably try to set up a place like that so I could see some guys have those opportunities and experiences. Man, I really appreciate that. That's good stuff. Okay, here we go. Here's a fun one, man. So now I was reading your, uh, I do agree with you that Italian sausage is the only topping for pizza. So <laughs> I agree with you there. So, but here's, but finish this uh, sentence. I will eat anything put in front of me except blank. Uh, I do not like rhubarb or rutabagas. 
mm. obscure things, but rhubarb makes sense. The rutabagas, I actually learned how to make a really good hash brown out of those. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you've got to drain them first though, because they're so watery. Yeah. So, uh, but then you fry, but then you fry them in oil, and anything fried in oil or butter is good. So there you go. Yeah, so. I bet you put bacon on it too, don't you? And oh, it's bacon, eggs, and ruta, rutabaga hash browns. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> well, I put bacon on everything. I think bacon is is uh, yeah. I don't know how the Jewish guys handle it back then without bacon. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. So hey, if I had to give up one prized possession, it would Ooh. be. It would be. What would it be? Uh man, if I had to give it up. Yep. You know what? We you were talking about vehicles. We have a Ford Excursion that we bought new in 2001. Uh, blew a head gasket about a month ago, and a guy's coming to pick it up this afternoon. So I'm giving up a honker of a truck, <laughs> and uh, that is no fun at all. I am I'm doing a little withdrawal challenge. Oh man, the it. Ford Excursion. You know what I call that here over here in Oregon? We call that a Mormon assault vehicle. <laughs> just load the herd up or you could call it the catholic assault catholic, vehicle either yeah. way man right yeah. so two of us are recovering catholics here so yeah. I, actually that's not true one's catholic always catholic right pat oh is that right yeah yeah one's catholic, always sure, catholic sure. so. anyway hey hey well, uh, i want to <laughs> we're having too much fun here today we're getting in trouble <laughs> hey i want to go into our interview questions today and the, the, the what i want to start off with mike is uh I, I kind of have a taste of your story online, but sure. can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal story, uh, the things you enjoy, your hobbies? Just give us a sense of who Mike Young is and, and where does he come from? Yeah. So I, I grew up in, uh, in a home where we went to church consistently, but I was not discipled as a young man. So um, I probably missed a lot of things. I am not at, at 17, 18 years old, I was not where my sons are today just because I didn't didn't have the discipleship. But um, when I went off to college, I had an opportunity to make some decisions, got connected with some folks that really helped grow my faith. And I uh, came out, I was a high school science teacher and coach, then I was an administrator, left that, I won't tell you the long story, but ended up um, in a family construction business. So I made this crazy turn from education to construction um, did that for seven years. My wife was a stay-at-home mom, so we're a single-income family. I thought I might take over the family business with my father-in-law. Um, but ultimately, God was preparing me for this adventure that is Noble Warriors. So um, I was I was feeling, you know, this is not what God made me to do, uh, wrestling with that. Stacy, I came home one day, and she said, you're miserable. And um, I, I'm miserable because you're miserable, and I'm ready to do something different. And shortly after that, I heard Jim Dobson, uh, Dr. Dobson on Folks on the Family, talking with some guys from the National Coalition of Ministries to Men about men's discipleship. And that got, got me stirred up. I already had several sons. Uh, all three of our sons were born at that time. This is 2004. And I knew I wanted to be a godly dad, wanted to raise good godly men. Um, and so that resonated with me. So I ended up going to an NCMM conference. And it was Brian Doyle, who you yeah. know, from the Iron Sharpens Iron Conferences. He stood at the platform and said, I'd like to think that in the coming year, there'd be 100 more full-time men's ministry leaders in the country. And, man, I looked around. I said, God, you brought me here for that moment. Wow. So I went up to him afterwards. I shook his hand. I said, Brian, my name is Mike Young. You don't know who I am. And I don't know where there are 99 other guys, but I will be in full-time men's ministry within a year. Wow. Um, so I came home started looking for a job, couldn't find one, and and ultimately ended up, again, having this experience where I felt like God 
clearly directed me toward starting an organization. Um, so Stacy and I went out and bought this book, Nonprofits for Dummies, and <laughs> in 2005 launched this ministry. Um, so I got my last paycheck in July of 2005 from the company, cashed in a little bit of stock in the family business, and this is what I've been doing full time since August 1st of 2005. Investing in men. Wow, that's so. Our story is very similar. It started in 2012. So we just celebrated six years. Yeah. So yeah. I noticed that Stacy on your website is one of your staff people. Is yeah. she still involved in the daily workings of Noble Warriors? She's here usually a couple days a week. She's in the office right now. Um, she does our um, a lot of our donor management and some of our um, accounting pieces, uh, some other functions with the ministry. Um, she used to manage all of the outflowing money, but that got to be hard because she saw money going out but not coming in. So I had to take her off of that side of the, the ledger. <laughs> well, and here's the deal, man. Our wives are uh, Ray Howell calls his wife a warrior bride. Uh, Ray, yeah. Ray Howell has a ministry called Kipke Kicking Bear. Anyway, uh, you know, our wives, my wife was the same way. And we finally had to pull her off because she was seeing who wasn't contributing. Yeah. She's like, wait, yeah. they're our best friends. They're, there are, they're, you know, and so I was like, you know what? Uh, you guys like us can handle it, but our wives start giving pretty dirty looks at people. At the, <laughs> yeah. And so it was better to protect my wife. And so, so she's still serving with you side by side, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Very, it very is. cool. Blessing. That is yeah. a, that is a blessing. So, hey, uh, so let me see. I have a question here for you. And I always ask this question because I'm just so intrigued because we all say very similar things. You wrote, uh, that you um, especially want to see your three sons and the man that hopes his, your daughter will marry someday. You want to see these guys discipled. Uh, you want to see men equipped and discipled. So my question is, and this is important, I think for our guys who are in the arena trying to raise kids who turn out the way they want them to, the question I have, I, I understand the what, and I understand the why, but sometimes we get lost in the how. Yeah. How does this happen? How do we systematically, st structurally, strategically lead our children to where we want them to go? So, what are some things that you're seeing that you're doing, Mike, to within your organization and even as a father to to? Now, I realize that ultimately they've got to choose, right? But sure. what are you doing to make their life better than yours at this time? I, I think. From my perspective, one of the keys to that is they have to see me doing things that I want to see them doing. So this whole business of telling them to do something and they see me doing something else uh, doesn't work, clearly. Um, and, and so, for example, uh, my kids would wake up in the morning, come downstairs and see dad sitting um, in the family room with a Bible and a notepad, and they see me in the Word. They see me wrestling with the Word. They see me serving in the local church. Um, I used to work with the fourth and fifth grade boys, and one of my my oldest son would help me with it. And he said, "Dad, you know when I think I when I I think when I get out of college, I want to help with the young boys. I want to I want to do ministry in a church with young boys." And you know I could have told him that for years, and it never would have landed. But when he sees it happening, that's a whole nother deal. And so what you live out in front of them is, is what they truly catch. Um, when they see us loving our wives, when they see us serving other people, and um, that's uncomfortable at times, but that's, that's the thing that we have to do. And we have to teach them to do it themselves. I, we are blessed. 
and, th and this could change at any time. We are blessed right now, but all three of my guys are involved in leading Bible studies among their peers in various ways. And, and I'm confident that it's because they've seen me involved in Bible studies for a lot of years. Um, they recognize the value of connecting with other men in close relationships. All my family knows that on Friday mornings, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I will be at a Panera at the intersection of 288 and 360 with my wise guys. I need wise men in my life. Um, and we just walk together and do life together. And so because my boys see that and know that, my daughter sees it, my wife sees it, they know the value of men being connected to other men who sharpen them and hold them accountable. And um, so there's a lot of other things, reading the Bible together, doing missions together, um, challenging them in lots of ways. But but I think the core thing is they need to see you doing something that you want to be replicated in their lives. Isn't, that, isn't that interesting? I've written nine books for men, and seven of those books are curriculum. And I'm getting ready to write another one called The Man's Man in July. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, all of the systems we have, all of the studies we have, it really does come down to being that that some man, every man has some other man in their life they can look to and say, I'm going to follow that guy as that guy's following Christ. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really. It, 11 1. And isn't that what Jesus did? Yep. He's like, hey, guys, come hang out with me, and I'm going to rock your world, man. I'm going to, yes. uh, you're fishing for fish, which is cool, but I'm going to show you how to fish for men, which is really, really hard. And I'm going to show you how to do it so that you can learn and you can do it someday. Right. That's really good, man, because, you know, we, you know, we tend to take this word discipleship and we do a lot of stuff with that word. But if we don't live the life, right. You know, this do, do as I say, not as I do, it's a lie. It doesn't yeah. work. And so I love what you said. You said what you live out in front of them is what they truly catch. Yeah. So our tagline with the man card podcast, tell me what you think about this is when a man gets it, everyone wins. Is that Absolutely. a true statement? Yeah. I mean, and, and we often, I think there's a danger for us in the men's ministry environment that we often think of guys impacting their wives and their family. And we forget about the single guy. We forget about the young guy. But man, I am constantly having conversations with my sons about how are you leveraging your leadership, your kingdom influence in your classroom, on the playing field? In the work environment where, I mean, my youngest son was working in a in a neighbor's yard yesterday. So, you know, the way he conducts himself, even in that environment, is part of leadership and representing the kingdom. And so it is a little danger. I think I'm trying to I'm trying to discipline myself to make sure I think broader in men's discipleship than just the married guy with three kids at home. Um so that's a piece of what I think we need to look at as well. No, that's really good. I think um, one of the problems in the church right now, and I, and I would say even I've struggled with this at times, because I've been a pastor for years, and I was, so I was paid to be a Christian, right? So when my yeah. kids look at me, it's like sometimes I'm going, I, I wonder if they say, well, is he reading the Bible because he loves the Lord, or is he reading the Bible because he's paid to? What's going on here? But I think that in, our, in the church today, one of the problems, and especially with men, is that as parents, we are raising moral— successful, high-functioning atheists. Yeah. 
I mean, we're all about, oh, if, if little Johnny isn't screwing up and if little Johnny's making money and if little Johnny's got a house and 2.5 dogs that are Labrador retrievers and no cats, then Johnny is a success. He's a good dude. And, and really, I love what you said. Are you leveraging your kingdom influence? It yeah. really, I really don't care if my kids are pushing burger patties at McDonald's if they are leveraging their kingdom influence. Does that, you as know? long as they don't have cats. I just want to go back with you and say that you know, we have to we have to be done with the cat thing. I, I don't know. One of my questions in heaven is me, God, why did you make cats? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. You know, yeah, so you you and I are on the same page, man, and the only place that tea belongs is in the harbor. So, okay, uh, yeah, so, hey, uh, so I'm, we're gonna we're at the 30-plus-minute mark, Mike, so I'm going to take just a second here, yeah. and I want our guests to hear from the sponsors of the Man Card Podcast. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called the Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card. Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. Okay, we're back. So, Mike, you had something in your bio that I want to leverage a little bit because our brand, so you have the, I, I don't know, our, our Man Card Podcast brand is basically yeah. a Spartan helmet. <laughs> With I'm two, looking at it now. Okay, two arrows. And then our brand for the Great Hunt for God is actually this target right here with the arrow coming yeah. through. You can see it through the, the, the screen a little bit. Right. And so I really resonate with this. Now you wrote, and I'm going to repeat something I've already read. I see myself and other men as warriors who must partner with God to craft arrows that are straight, sharp, and potent. Now, uh, I'm an I'm an archery hunter. And we shoot carbon uh, arrows now, a graphite. I don't know what they are, something that doesn't bend. But when I was a, a college guy, we shot aluminum arrows. And so the problem with aluminum arrows is that they would bend. And so you, you'd have to go into your quiver and go, okay, what are my, what are my top arrows that are, that, are, that are straight that will fly true? Yeah. Nowadays, they all fly true. True. But when you say straight, sh uh, sharp, and potent, I resonate with that. I see the word picture. So yeah. let's talk this through. So when you say the word straight, that we craft arrows. By crafting arrows, I'm assuming you're talking about your children. Absolutely. This is Proverbs 127, 4 and 5, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, sons born in one's youth. That uh, Blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. That's that's where the word warrior came from for our name. I knew that was important to me, and um, so that's why I latched on to warrior. Okay, so so straight, 
So yeah. Talk me through this word straight. You have it in this quote. What does that mean when you think of straight? Well, I think somewhat, I mean, we talk about sin, a definition for sin is missing the mark. And um, you don't have to be off by much in terms of degrees um, when you start out to be a long way off the mark over the long haul. Uh, one degree is huge when you're traveling 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to miss your deer or whatever it is that you're shooting at. Uh, one degree is even worse when you're traveling 500 miles in a jet. Mm. Um, and, and so your bearing has to be right. It has to be true. And uh, that has to be focused on Jesus Christ. And so we wanted our kids to have that right bearing. As a matter of fact, when I when I open a new Bible, I will go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. You quoted it just, or 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And I draw a, a cross with a obviously a male stick figure kneeling in front of that cross and then a family behind him, my family. And the reason I draw the guy kneeling is because the family needs to be able to see dad's um, obedience and, and submission to the cross. But dad's going to make some mistakes. Dad's going to miss that mark himself because he's human. And so they need to look beyond dad to see the cross. The target has to be the cross for the kids, not dad. I mean, I, I want to do things that my kids can emulate. But if they were here around me, they would say, but you know what? There's lots of things about dad that we don't want to be. Yeah, and preach it. So, so helping our kids even discern, okay, what do I want to observe in this person's life that I pick up? Or what do, I, what do I observe that I really want to stay away from? That's part of helping them craft this straight arrow life that's going to point them directly to Christ. Man, that's so good. And I wrote down here, you know, even though I'm not perfect, what my kids need to see, and I think this is really what separates a lot of guys who are Christian men from guys that are not, is my yeah. ability to rebound after I've launched an arrow that's flown off target. Hey guys, man, I screwed up. I need to fix this. And so they see they see a humble heart. They see a man who's willing to grow and to learn. And so and you said uh you know if you're one degree off after five hundred miles, I, I want to phrase something say it a little different. If you're one degree off after fifty years. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's huge. Right? Because I mean I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm fifty two, you're forty nine. You know, we're at that stage in our life now where we're at the power position, man. The next 10 years, every, the people are listening to us. We have power and authority in the church. We have leadership. We're the ones running organizations. But if we're off one degree when we're 20, by the time we're 50, that sin is at a place where it could be an addiction or a bondage. If You know what I mean? These things or yep. the, this lack of integrity, these things are things that come back and really bite these guys. We see guys at 50, 60 years old falling left and right. Because after the arrow's been launched after 50 years, they've finally uh, been found out. Yeah. And so, but one of the things I would say about the Christian life, though, that we aren't very good about in the church, I'm afraid, is that when, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, God allows course corrections. Yes. And we, we are not, we don't walk in enough humility often as men to accept the fact that, hey, I am off course and I do need to make a course correction. Um, because we, in, a, in our pride, we continue on the wrong trajectory too often. And, and we've got to, with humility, be willing to recognize that and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and God to restore us to a right path. You know, it's, 
get you. You know what's interesting, Mike? I'm going to go back to earlier in our podcast. We talked about the fear of failure. We talked about men's uh, desperate need to be affirmed and respected. So a man, and this is interesting to me because we have an organization here where we're very vulnerable up front. You know, we push our guys to covenant eyes. We say, hey, we all use this this uh, app. It's really important to us. We're very open and honest in our writings and our stories. And I tell stories about my marriage that most men go, wow, that really happened? You know, yeah, but what happens to your marriage every day? I'm just telling you what you see every day. And right. what I've found is men have this pride thing going on that says, if I tell you what I'm really doing and really thinking, you're going to hate me. You're going to disrespect me. And what we're finding is just the opposite. When right. we are saying, hey, man, I launched an arrow. It's off track. I make a course correction. And not only did I make a course correction in humility, but I want to tell you about it so that you can make that correction if you need to as well and that you can keep me accountable because I obviously shot a miss. I, I shot an arrow that flew off mark. So, no, I think that's so good. And then guys like you walk in the room, you got your flat top, I got my shoulders. And when they see us being vulnerable, they go, whoa, whoa, that's like, that's not what I'm used to. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, one, of the, one of the questions you'll often ra- ask in the rapid fire round is a favorite quote. Yes. And, uh, and so I was going to be ready with Billy Graham's quote that courage is contagious. When one man oh, yeah. stands up, the other men's spine stiffen. And um, I think that's so true of transparency. That's true of humility. That's true of honesty. So, um, you know, I tell guys all the time, if you're leading a small group, you've got to launch with vulnerability because when you let your guard down, that's going to invite other guys to get really honest. And, and Satan loves, I mean, Satan loves a Bible study full of guys that do nothing but talk about Sunday school answers and platitudes. I mean, that's, that's, that's Satan's domain. That's not Christ's domain. That's Satan's domain when guys aren't serious. Um, but someone has to be the first one to take that step into vulnerability. My wife and I lead a uh, bunch of small couples. We invest in young marriages. And, and we tell them all the time that we want to open the curtains on the family room of our home. We want you to come over and see it. We want you to see our teenage kids and and hear our stories and uh because that's where you're going to learn. The practical application of this stuff is so important. We've got, we've got to get beyond the games to the serious stuff. Yeah, no, it is. You know, And people tell us, oh, we're so refreshed to see your marriage in action. And because our marriage is definitely unique, man. It's definitely unique. But they see this great love for each other, but they see this tremendous ability to call each other out regularly to sharpen and keep that arrow straight, right? So, yeah. no, I really um, – no, that's really good. So the straight arrow – uh, you know, I, you, you mentioned Satan, and you know the Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. I'm reading a book by a guy in your area. You might know him, Rex, Rex Tigner. Rex Tigner, yeah. Tigner, he, he said that Satan can't attack you. He will never attack you when you're roaring. So he prowls around like a roaring lion, but when he pounces, he's not roaring. He's, he's ready. But one of the things I've learned is that Satan is a patient predator. He yeah. will wait 50 or 60 years when that arrow you've launched with your lack of integrity or your sin will fly enough off course where now he gets you. Very yeah. patient predator. And he's going to get you when the damage will be the greatest. And the collateral damage. No, that's really good, yeah. man. So so you said straight, that you want arrows that are crafted straight, but then you said you wanted them crafted sharp. So yeah. now I get it. I'm an archery hunter. We have to have those sharp blades. But when you say sharp, what? why would you use that word, and what are you talking about when it comes to manhood? 
Well, I think I, I, w- I want my sons to be discerning and my and my daughter as well. I mean, I, I talk so much about guys, but this much of this applies to my daughter as well. I want them to be discerning, to use God's word to discern what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false. And, and how do I deal with that? Um, I want them to be capable with the sword that is God's word. Um, now, I, I'm learning a lot about this actually from my kids. We're a public school family and so it's really intriguing to talk to my my kids, especially my sons, because they came first about, you know, so I remember when Tim first came home and they said, hey, dad, in science class, they were telling us about evolution. That's not what we believe, is it? And 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 so how do we how do we deal with that? And so my son came home with this really honest question. And so I started working with him. I mean, we'd done it before, but started working with him more about how do you prepare yourself as a as a middle schooler and then a high schooler to represent the faith in a hostile environment? And how do you listen carefully to what teachers are saying and the innuendo that um, the inferences that they make to discern, well, is this teacher a believer or they, uh, do they believe in God? Are they following Christ? And um, so then, you know, you just keep honing their skills, keep sharpening their capacity to discern what is of the Lord and what is not. And uh, and then make decisions about that. And so it's been fascinating even and, and they have gotten better at it than I am. It's, it's really interesting. I remember Tim talking one time. He said, Dad, when I'm arguing against abortion in my government class, I can't talk about what the Bible says about this. I have to use secular arguments in a secular conversation and then say, oh, by the way, here's what the Bible. The Bible affirms what I just beat you up with in terms of a, yeah. a rhetorical argument. And and so they learned to be discerning even about how to how to defend the faith. And so that's what I mean about being sharp. It's 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 being able to discern what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil. Now, that doesn't mean they've always chosen the good path, but our objective is to train them so that they can discern it and hopefully the Holy Spirit will prick their conscience when they when they do veer in the wrong direction. Well, and that they know what the wrong path is if they yeah. choose it, right? There's no ambiguity. Yeah. You know, Second uh, Timothy, I can't remember the exact address, but Paul says, you know, to handle the word of God accurately. And that, yeah. that word means that the translation in the Greek is to cut something straight, yeah. to cut it straight. And to cut it straight... You need to have a sharp blade, and I know that you want to have lunch with George Washington and Abraham Lincoln from your website. <laughs> so Abraham Lincoln, who actually is my cousin, uh, we've never met, but uh, yeah. he said, if you give me five hours to cut down a tree, I'll spend yeah. the first four sharpening the axe. And right. I just think that's so important that we need to really help our, which means that we need to put our kids in, our children, we need to be not only Bible-believing, Bible-reading parents, but we need to put them in a church that values the Absolutely. Word of God teaching. Because a lot of churches today, let's be honest, don't. I, there's right. a church here in town falling apart right as we speak because they're uh, taking a stance on this tra- transgender thing, and it's a, not a biblical stance, and so it's right. falling apart. And so right. we just need to really uh, uh, be in believers and bodies that are preaching the Word of God. So, okay, so now sharp, I'm getting sharp, I'm getting straight. Now, this is the only one I'm going, okay, I'm going, uh, do I dip this arrow in some kind of toxin? What do you mean by potent? I know what you mean, but explain it. Yeah, so I, I want my guys especially, and again, I think about them because we, we only had sons for a long time. Um, I, I want them to be 
powerful, confident. Um, and, and so my oldest son um, just graduated from West Point. He's six foot three, weighs 190 pounds. Um, Wimp. I mean, Wimpy kid. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he walks, he, he walks with confidence. Wow. And our son, when they, when they shake your hand that you know that, that they're serious, they're paying attention, they connect with you, they talk to adults, they're respectful. And because they carry themselves that way, other people pay attention. And, 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 and you have to be careful because we pride is a huge issue with all of this. But there's a big difference from a young man who walks, a young male, because I know how you deal with the whole male versus man thing. There's a big difference when a male walks into a room and slumps his shoulders and won't look at anyone versus a guy who is standing up straight and he's got some confidence about how he walks and he's willing to grip your hand and you know you've got the hand of another man. He looks you in the eye. You feel like you can trust him. Um, and, and so we wanted to raise guys like that. I want to see men like that. And I, that doesn't have to be the macho guy because you can be confident, assured, useful in the kingdom you can your word can be valuable all of those things no matter what your stature is but they're just way too many folks that are timid in their lives and i that that's not how god wants us to be um so it, it doesn't mean you have to be a, a professional wrestler or anything like that but you've got to have some confidence about who you are and and so all of this gets woven back to the conversations we had about experiencing failure and being able to process that and understand what God's teaching you and how he's building you and shaping you along the way. I mean, I think about David. David was the, the youngest of the children. I mean, they, Jesse didn't even want to bring him out when Samuel was coming to anoint the next king. But David, David was the one that had some experience in life that He's, what are you? This is a giant. What are you? What are you afraid of? I fought with bears and lions, and and you know. So I've been in the arena. I've heard that somewhere before. I think. <laughs> so it's being in the arena that gives the guys the battle scars, the tenacity, the experience, the endurance, the confidence that you know I can take on whatever's coming next with the help of the Lord. And we we have to be careful with that because it's. Yep. There's, there's a very dangerous place that Satan will take men to where we will do things in our own flesh, and you're gonna you're in for a bad experience there. But if along the way God is showing himself and we're allowing him to reveal himself to us as someone who's gonna meet us in those difficult times, is gonna carry us, and you know, it's it's not David who's actually the hero of the story, it's the Lord who is the hero of the story. And, and so we've got to be mindful of that, that, you know, Christ is, we, we can stand tall and confidently because we're in Christ and he's in us. So yeah. there's a lot there. Well, you know, it's funny. My wife uh, just got hired about two months ago. She's a flight attendant with Alaska Airlines. So I can come out to your events and I can just fly out there, man. So no, no awesome. charge, baby. So anyway, but here's the thing. So in order for us to navigate this new territory, we read the, she lives in a crash pad in Seattle three days a week. And uh, so we have to connect, right? So we read the Bible together, and we are reading uh, John, thir the, John 13. And Jesus uh, puts the servant's towel on, washes off the feet of the 12, and then sends Judas off to, you know, to do what, to do what he's going to do. But, yeah. but Jesus makes a comment to all these guys, I have given you an example to follow, 
And I really think there's something there. In the context of that passage, he was saying, listen, here's an enemy in the room. You're going to learn about this guy, but I'm still doing this. And, and my wife and I had this moment where how do we handle the people that we don't like? How do we handle those who are enemies? And one of the things that I've realized that people ask me all the time, well, you're a hunter, you're a sports guy, you know, you have all these dead things hanging around your office. You know, are you this, is this this macho man movement? I go, well, let me tell you something. No, this is about biblical manhood. I have put on the servant's towel. We are, uh, the, the true biblical man is not a macho man puffing up his chest, clucking around the hen house, but it's the man who puts on the servant's towel, gets on his knees and washes the feet of the dirty and serves yep. those who he cares for and he leads. And so this is where it's so important for us as, as Christian guys to realize, listen, this Christianity, you said it earlier in the podcast, don't, you know, it's not about do as I say, not as I do. It's about watch what I'm doing as I follow Christ. But now I'm going to make a mistake, but my, I hope that you will look beyond me because the arrow that I have launched is not going to me. It's going to be on me to Christ. Right. And so, man, that's so good. Uh, I am, I am like, I, I want to sit down and have some uh, pizza with Italian sausage on it with you, man, because uh, <laughs> I am really resonate with you right now. I don't know if you know this, we have already reached our hour limit, so we could go for about four hours. I have a feeling you and I, but I want to end with one yeah. last question, Mike. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, you've honored me today in a way that I have not been honored before. And I'm going to tell you why you have done your research about our ministry. Most guys <laughs> that come on here have no idea what we do. So I appreciate that. So, you know, and we'll, I'm going to send you a copy of my latest book, which I, I think it's the, it is the, the flagship for our organization right now. All of our curriculum revolves around this five fold uh, definition of what we call the man card. And so, yeah. and that those five those five characteristics that separate men from boys or men from males is are protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. And so, my question for you today, as we end our podcast, Mike, is which of those five really sticks out in your mind, and why? You know, I'm gonna. I could probably talk about all of them, but finishing strong, I think, is what I would hone in on. Uh, because there are way too many guys who start the race and don't finish. Um, and, you know, you've already mentioned a couple of times our comparatively similar ages. Uh, I'll be 50 in August and you're 52 now. Um, this is a time of tremendous influence and opportunity for us. It's also a time of tremendous danger. Um, yes. I think yes. Because we could... Um, when you have influence, when you have uh, visibility, when you have people that you've invested in, uh, so Satan could do a move in my life. Um, I could respond to temptation. I could fall in such a way that um, hundreds of people, I, I, and, I, and I don't know, I don't want to overestimate that, but there would be a lot of people who would be disheartened with their faith um, if, if I were to fall. And um, I, I, I want you to know that's a humbling thought. It's a scary thought. It, it's a thought that keeps me praying. It keeps me in the Word. It keeps me connected with some other guys because um, I value so much the investments that, that God has allowed me to make in other men, starting with my sons. And, and, and I would hate to think that um, Satan would trip me up and I wouldn't be able to finish strong and show them what it looks like to live this out well all the way to the end. And I'm, I'm hoping I've got 30 or 40 more years. I mean, who knows what that is. 
but I I desperately do not want to drop this ball. Yeah, I've I've just seen so many men. It's a passion for me. Of those five fold that five fold definition, the finishing strong is kind of the one that's a chip on my shoulder. I've yeah. just seen so many, you know, a, a divorce is not a strong finish. It's a wrong finish. A suicide is a wrong finish. Getting yeah. fired at your job for cheating or stealing or, or being lazy is a wrong finish. So, you know, in the midst of failures, in the midst of bouncing back, in the midst of a course adjustment, all these things we've spoken about, we still need to be men who say, I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to be like Caleb who said, hey, I've seen yeah, this, and I- I've seen this, and I've seen this, and I've seen this, and I've seen this, but hey. I'm still standing, baby. I'm still standing. Yeah. I'm 84. Give me the hill country. I want it. I want it. And so I love that. Mike, I have had so much fun today with you. I had to go pick my wife at the airport, pick her up last night. I got home at 1 o'clock. I showed up late. I'm tired. I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm nervous about this podcast because, uh, quite frankly, I'm a little bit tired. And so you have revived me. Uh, I want to go charge hell with a squirt gun, man. You want to come with me? <laughs> so, Let's go. Hey, man. So, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and experience with our men in the arena and for being the man in the arena yourself, Mike. I'm excited. So, guys, you've been listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you'll ever do. We want to give you three quick, simple steps in encouraging you to be a world changer. First one is this, enlist. Download our free The Great Hunt for God app. We have messages, blogs, training videos, Bible app, life-changing links to the world of the great hunt for god and also subscribe if you haven't done so already to the mcp we love what we're doing here the man card podcast bringing magnum players on like mike young and the third thing guys is join nine thousand men in eight months from around the world on the men in the arena closed facebook forum for men it is the best free resource out there for guys who want to grow in their faith as men and the second thing guys is invest Go to our gear page on the app or our website. Invest in your life. You are worth it. You need to make an investment in your journey as a man. If you don't like our material, I can point you to 20 other friends of mine that have great books and resources. Go get some. Three, change your world. Get involved in championing the causes you care about. Lead a virtual team with a great hunt for God. Leave a, lead a live team. Go to an, an organization in your area, church in your area, coach sports. Get involved. Get in the game, guys. Men, join us in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves, changing their world. Because when a man gets it, everyone, everyone wins. wins. Wow, you guys need to sync we up were again. Off on when that. a man gets it, everyone wins. Man, you guys need to go have lunch together or something. That was horrible. That was a little bit better. I'll give you a B minus. Until next time, guys, feel the wet sand of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Roar. <laughs> Okay, first of all, that sounds like you're on the Pup Muppet show. So let's do that one again. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Oh, no. They don't do that. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get in the game. Dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. I feel like I just watched a Tawny Contain music video. What is going on? Here I go again on my own. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his 
no hold barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.